right. Everybody doing all right today? Man, it's a good day. It's a good day. We're celebrating 19 years today, and uh, y'all give it up for Jesus on that. That's what today is about. Uh, for 19 years, uh, we have been celebrating who Jesus is. We have been proclaiming who Jesus is, and Jesus has been changing lives and saving souls and just doing what only Jesus can do. Amen. So with it to, today is really a celebration of what he does through his church. And, uh, and we're talking about the church today a little bit, but we're talking about priorities. And so I want you guys, if, uh, if you know, we're in this series called Ducks in a Row. We talked last week about what's, you know, what God's priority is, how, what he really loves, and that's people, right? Uh, we look at the great, I mean, we look at uh, Luke chapter 15 last week. We, we kind of talked through that and how that loss, that one, you know, that one that uh, Jesus said, hey, listen, I'm willing to leave heaven to come here to go after that one. And so we've got to have that same mentality. How do we go after that one? How do we reach that one? And so to get everything properly organized, ready, and prepared is what it means to get your ducks in a row. And for some of you, like I said, you know, you're doing that with school. Some of you guys hopefully are doing that with your life. And you're going, you know what, man, it's time to get, you know, some things in order. And some of your lives, maybe, maybe you came in here today feeling like your life is chaos. I mean, that there is no order to it. There is no structure to it. There is no whatever. You know, and you're going, you know, I mean, I need to get some things back in line. Because it's real easy to drift. It's real easy to lose sight of what's most important. And so what we've got to be able to do is say, God, you know, help me to figure out what that might be. So priorities is what we call that. And it says the quality or state of coming before another in time of importance. So some of you guys sitting here are thinking, all right, well, I'm a priority to my spouse or I'm a priority to my kids or whatever. Or my kids are priority. So you're thinking along those lines. But it says the quality or state of coming before another in time of importance. Say, so, hey, who's the most important? And then uh, here's a second uh, definition, a condition of being given attention before others. In other words, you get attention over other people. So there's some questions I want us to, I want you and I both to ask these questions. So what's most important to you? I think we have to answer that question. And a lot of us would, uh, you know, we, we might already have that. Like uh, maybe you're watching online or maybe you're here in the room and you're going, you know, hey, man, you know, I already know what number one is to me. And it's real easy for a lot of us to say, I mean, that's Jesus, because that's what you're supposed to say, right? But if you look at your life, and you look at your time, and you look at how you spend your money, I would say that that's not always true. Would y'all agree with that? I mean, we say, hey, it's supposed to be Jesus. It's supposed to be God. It's supposed to be first in my life. But I think most of us know that if we really look at our life, he doesn't get the lion's share of everything. Sometimes he gets the leftovers. Sometimes he gets maybe Sunday morning or every other you know Sunday morning or maybe once a month type Sunday morning or maybe if you go to a Bible study or something like that. So a lot of times it can get to the point of like, you know what, God is not really number one in my life, but this is, and you know what that might be, right? So we have to ask, hey, what's most important to you? What is the most important thing to you? And what you would most likely say is, hey, that really is a priority to me. You may not want to admit it, but it's what it is. And so you got to be able to say, hey, what's most important to me? So if, as I ask these questions, God, help me to figure that out. And here's another question I think we need to answer is what is essential? You know, like most of us would say, hey, what's essential would be like food, you know, water, right? You know, sleep. I mean, have you ever met somebody that hadn't had any sleep? I mean, they become, you know, they need sleep. You know, it's essential, right? You know, I mean, if you've never, if you've gone a few days without not being able to get any sleep, man, you start getting a little bit crazy, right? And you're going, man, I just can't sleep. And man, everything's running together. You're agitated. You're aggravated. You're a bear. Uh, you're just mean, right? Because we need it. It's essential. We, would y'all say that air Breath in our lungs would be essential, right? So those are some obvious things. But what are some essential things in your life? So I think we have to answer those questions. Number one, hey, what is important? Number two is what is essential? Because if it's essential, it's not optional. Would you agree with that? 
If it's essential, then it's not optional. Now, we might say, hey, listen, there's some other things that I think are important, but what is essential is actually, man, it is essential. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's what it says. And so if it's essential, it's not an option. I can't, I can't move it down here or up here. I've got to be able to say, you know, it's got to be there. Whether that's breath, food, life, whatever, you know what I mean, uh, sleep. We've got to have, have those things. And then here's the other one is what really matters. And so a lot of us would ask, you know, uh, and maybe we have to ask this question or we need to ask this question sometimes, is, hey, where, does this really matter in the grand scheme of things? Because a lot of us, we get fo- focused on the little things and we'll get aggravated about little things and we'll let that bother us. We'll let something that really doesn't matter ruin our whole day. And then we'll let it ruin our whole week and then we'll let it ruin our whole month and we'll let it ruin our whole year and we'll let it ruin our whole life because we'll get focused on the wrong things. And that's, that's what we do is we, we tend to drift in our focus to the things sometimes that don't really matter, that re- aren't really eternal. But man, they sure seem to be important to everybody else. And so if they're important to everybody else, maybe they should be important to me. And so we have to ask these questions. So what's most important to you? And some of you guys are working it out in your head even right now. And then you have to, you know, what is essential? What, is, what are the essential things? You know, we have, you know, I have to work because I've got to pay bills. That's kind of essential. Uh, I need to pay bills so I've got a place to stay. Whatever it might be. And so what are, what are those essential things? And then what really matters? What, what, is, what is it that really matters? I love this uh, passage here out of Philippians where, where Paul is writing to the church here at Philippi. He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and more. And that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. He said, man, I want you to overflow with love. Man, that's my prayer for you. He said, I'm praying that you will overflow with love. That, man, it'll be more and more and more that you'll understand God's love. And it'll literally just, man, it'll just overflow in your life. And that you'll grow in understanding and knowledge. For I want you to understand what? What does he say right there? What really matters. So Paul is play, he's praying for the church. He's praying for the people, right? He's praying for the church. And he said, man, I, my prayer is that you will overflow with love. That it'll just be overflowing. That no matter where you go, what you do, man, there's just this love, man. It's all right there. It's just, it, you know, wherever you go, people see. They see the love of Jesus in your eyes. They see it in your actions. They, they hear it in your words. And they know that, you know what, man, there's something different about this person. So Paul is saying, hey, man, I'm praying that you will literally overflow with the love of God. You know, and, and so that literally that the, fl- the love is so evident that you're just different from everybody else. And, and he says, for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. He said, hey, listen, this is how I want you to live. You know, I know this past week we had the, uh, the, the brawl down here at the river or whatever, and that's what Montgomery is popular for right now, which is, is so ridiculous. And I was talking with a brother yesterday. I said, hey, listen, man, I said, you know, the thing is, is so many people are looking at that and they're focused on that. And the thing is, is if the hearts were right, the actions would be different. It does, it's, not a, it's not a color thing. And I know some people go, well, you know, you see and you want to line it with whatever the color is, then your heart's not right. Because if your heart's right, it doesn't matter. You're going to do the right thing. And you're going to treat people with love. It's not about winning a battle. Man, it's not about winning that one. And so it's about saying, hey, listen, it's not about that. God, I want you to change my heart where I don't see color and I don't see socioeconomic levels or, or, or classes, if you will. But I see people for who God sees them as and he loves them. He cares about them. And we go back to the, the, you know, the chapter 15 of Luke last week. The man, he's willing to go after everyone. He's that willing to go after that one. And so we got to be able to say, God, if you change my heart, then you change how I live and you, you change what's important to me. It's so what we've got to be able to say, God, I want, I want to live like that until Christ comes back. And I want to be different than the world. 
I don't, I don't want to be like everybody else. I want to be like Christ. I want to be like Jesus. Look at verse 11. It says, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. See, that's what our life ought to bring glory to. And, and I would love it if, you know, if, if the media would give us much attention to someone's life who lives like that, would go, man, this, this person's making a difference. This person is living out their faith. This person, does, he's not focused on color or, or, or money or anything. He's focused on the kingdom of God. But the media doesn't do that. They're, you know, they're working for a different, a different uh, little G God, if you would. They're working for somebody else. And so we got to be able to say, God, help me to know what's important. So Pastor Nate did a phenomenal job teaching on this two weeks ago, the Shema. And this is out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this is, this is the most important prayer to the Jewish people. So, so it's an Old Testament teaching here. And so, but the thing is, we have a lot to learn from this. And Jesus, he will reference this. He will, he will point back to this. But the Shema is, is, is kind of making it very clear. And it's, it's to hear. It's, it says, listen, O Israel. In other words, in my prayer is that we hear what God is saying through this. We're going, God, I hear what you're saying. Now, here's the thing. We can hear what God's saying, and we cannot be moved to action. There's times like whenever, you know, have you ever told your kids, hey, listen, I need you to take the trash out? And they hear you, right? And the trash doesn't get, get taken out. And you go over and say, hey, listen, dude, I thought I asked you to take the trash out. The truck's already run now. You know what I'm saying? I mean, then you're aggravated. And they said, well, I was going to take it out later. Well, that's, you know, delayed obedience is still disobedience, right? So we may hear God speak to us and we go, I know I need to do that. I know I need to take that step. I know I need to share my faith. I know I need to return to first fruits. I know that, but man, I don't move to action. So delayed obedience is still disobedience. And so here... And like I said, Pastor, if you, want a, if you want a great message on this, go back and listen to two weeks ago. Pastor Nate did a great job. So I'm not going to camp out here, but we're going to run through it. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And so understand there, there's, one, there's one God. There's one God over all things. It says, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. And so we know that, right? Most of us know that, but our life doesn't look like that. So we know that. We, we've heard that. We've been taught that. We know that. We know Jesus modeled that. We just don't always live like that. And, and, so, and so you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. It says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today, to the teachings, to the Word of God, right? We know that. We hear that. We heard it two weeks ago. But have we done anything with it? That's the question. It says, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road and when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. So let me ask your parents, let me ask all of you that are watching, do you talk about the Word of God with your children on a regular basis throughout the day? Because it's supposed to be, hey, as men, as they're going through life, now we'll talk about football, we'll talk about volleyball, we'll talk about baseball, we'll talk about everything else, how to hit, all this kind of stuff. We'll talk about everything but the Word of God sometimes. And so if we go back to, this is a list of priorities that's been given right here, right? This is, this is hey, they're saying, hey, listen, Israel, these are the priorities. This is what matters. So, man, we're supposed to be teaching and talking about them. It says, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead and re- as reminders. Write them on your doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, man, wherever you go, you're doing this. You know, that it's, it's the Word of God, you know, the plan of God, the will of God is in front of me no matter where I go because I'm talking about it, I'm thinking about it. And it's because I love Him more than anything else. And it affects how I live. It affects who I'm around. It affects the people in my life. And so a couple things I want us to walk away from here. Number one is God is the priority. He's top of the list, right? The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And so we have to ask ourselves, goes back to the first question. 
What is most important to me? Is it my relationship with God? Or is it my career? Is it my bank account? Is it my, my stuff, my toys? Is it my, is it my kids? You know, is it my wife? Is it my husband? Is, I mean, what is it? I mean, anything can get in the way of that, but that's what should be there. And then here's the second one is loving God. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all your soul and all your strength. In other words, are we really, am I really loving God with, how, with every ounce of my fiber? With everything that's in me, do I love him or do I love me? And I want him to bless me. Do I love him with everything that's in me? So we have to ask those questions. So is, he, is loving God the second most important thing? Then God's word. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. So do we love the word of God? Do we love the truth of, of, of who Jesus is? The word, you know, literally became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus, right? And Jesus is the full, he is the embodiment of the word of God. And so we should love Jesus. We should love the word of God. And so is there a love in our life for, the, for God's word? So that should be a priority. And then here's the other one, making disciples. You know, it says, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Let me just tell you, moms and dads, we have a responsibility to pour into our children and to teach them every chance we can about the things of God and the Word of God. And, and so here's the thing, hopefully, prayerfully, and I still believe it takes a village to raise a child, we have some people in our lives and around our family that sometimes whenever they speak, God uses it more impactfully in our children's lives than it is when it comes from us. Now, if we get those first three in order, then this will carry a whole lot more weight with our children. And if you're trying to disciple and you don't love God and you don't love His Word, man, and you don't, and you don't, you don't just love God and put Him first in your life, then your kids will have a hard time believing that you believe what you're saying. And so we've got to be able to say, God, do I believe that? Am I living that out? Am I modeling that for my children? Because mom and dad always wants a little bit better for their kids. We want them to be better athletes than us. We want them to be better students than us. We want them to be better at whatever we wanted to be good at that we're not good enough at. We want them to be that. And so we go, well, what about if we wanted them to walk with God? You know, if we wanted them to be righteous young men and righteous young women that lived out their faith in such a way that they literally impacted anywhere and everywhere they go. Their school, you know, what their hobbies, their sports, whatever it might be. We go, you know what, hey, that's what we desire. And so I know the Shema, like I said, it's, it's a priority list. And so we've got to ask ourselves, do we do those things? So Jesus was clear about his priorities. Uh, he made it very clear. He loved people, right? We, we read all about it last week in Luke chapter 15. And if you don't know Luke chapter 15, go back and read it. Talks about the lost sheep. Talks about the lost coin. Talks about the prodigal son. You know, and it goes, hey, this is the heart of God. Jesus made it clear what he was about. But a, a, a teacher came up, a, a lawyer came up and asked Jesus a question. He says, he says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And so this lawyer, this, one of the Pharisees, he's trying to trap Jesus because Jesus had just kind of silenced a bunch of Sadducees there with a, 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 a question and stuff about resurrection. So they're all kind of like, all right, we're not asking him no more questions. He just shut us down. You know what I'm saying? And so these guys were like, well, let me get a shot. You know, the Pharisees were like the really smart ones. They knew everything about the, the Word of God and the law. They just didn't always live it out. That sounds like us sometimes, doesn't it? We know a lot about the Word of God. We just don't always live it out. And so he comes to Jesus and he asks, hey, hey, what's the most important? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Sounds like the Shema, doesn't it? And so what Jesus said, hey, listen, this is the most important thing is to love God. Because if you love God, you're going to love what he loves, right? 
If you love God, you're going to love the Word of God. If you love God, you're going to love everything that He loves. And so Jesus said, that's the most important one. And second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these, on these two commandments. So what Jesus is saying, hey, listen, what really matters is do you love God? And if you love God, you're going to love people because God is all about people. He's all about people being redeemed. He's all about people being rescued. He's all about people being healed. God is all about people. And so Jesus is saying, hey, these are the, these are the priorities. This is what should matter in our lives. He said, man, you know, just if you can get your mind around that, that it's not about us and it's not about what, what I want in my stuff. It's really about loving God and loving people, right? So Jesus said to love God and love people. So the question is, do we really love God? And I would ask the question, second one, do we really love people? Now, some of us like some people, right? And some of you guys don't like anybody, you know? And some people even claim, hey, well, I'm an introvert. You know, I just don't really like people that much. That's not okay. I don't care if you're an introvert or not. You know, you got to be able to say, you know what, I, I love God because he loves, and, and he loves people, so I love God, so I'm going to love people. I'm going I'm to care about them. I'm going to be concerned about them. I'm going to pray for them. You know, yesterday we were up here, you know, for a time of prayer, just praying over the room, praying over these seats, uh, you know, praying over the schools, because we believe in the power of prayer. We believe that there's a God that loves those kids more than we do. And there's a God that loves those kids enough that, man, he wants to change their life. He wants them to give, up, give them a hope in the future. And, you know, and so we, we're praying over these kids. We're praying against the, the stupid teaching that's out there, the false teaching that's out there, the things that do not line up with God's Word. We're praying against that, to be honest with you. We're praying against that. We're praying for God's Word, God's truth to, be, to, to come to life in these schools. And if we really love Jesus, we love what He loves. That's a no-brainer. If we really love Jesus, then we love what He loves. We want people to love our family, right? Like if you got a mom or a dad, you know, and you got, or you got family that you feel like, hey, they love me, they just don't love my wife, or they love me, but they don't love my, my husband, you know what, then that's an issue. Because if you really love someone, then you love what they love. You may not love the way they act, may not love, but you love what they love. And we got to be one to say, God, help me, help me to love people the way that you love people. If we really follow Jesus, then what's important to Jesus should be important to us, right? Wouldn't you all agree with that? That if Jesus says, hey, this is what's important, is loving God with everything that's in you, and then loving people, then we would say, you know, that should matter to me. That, 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 should, that should matter to me. And so the kingdom of God should matter to us. The church is not, you know, just this building. The church is people. We're, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second, but we've got to say, you know what, man, I love those things. And so Journey Church exists to reach what? People. It's not about building buildings. You know, but, it, but here's the thing. These, these buildings facilitate ministry that takes place to what? People. So Journey Church is about reaching people. So Journey Church exists to reach people who are disconnected from God and lead them to become fully devoted followers of Christ. That's discipleship. Our, and our goal is to reach people. There, there are some people that, you know, they go, man, you know, I, I, I hate church. But man, if you, if you love God and you love what He loves, then you have to love the church because that's what Jesus established. It's the bride of Christ. I, I remember people, you know, a guy said one time, he said, you know, there's a lot of times whenever, you know, people want to talk about the church. They want to run down the church. You do, you do realize, you know, the church is the, is the bride of Jesus, right? And, uh, and it's kind of like going up to him and talking about his, his wife. Saying, man, I, you know, I like you, but I can't stand your wife. You know, I really love you, Jesus, but, man, I can't stand your wife. I mean, she's ugly to me, and I don't like how they do, she does things. And he's like, you know, that is my bride. And he might take you out. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so we've got to be able to say, you know what? God, help me to love the church the way that I love Christ because it's his plan. 
And we got to be willing to say, God, help me to love that. And so Journey Church exists to reach people, not, 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 not stuff, but to reach people who are disconnected from God. Those that don't know Christ, those that have drifted off, those prodigals. We, pray, we prayed back here in the back this morning for the prodigals to come home, for the lost to be saved, for the, for the, for the lame to be healed, for miracles to happen. And then we sing about it, right? We believe in that. We celebrate that. So the Great Commission, this is really what we're about. We want to be about this. The 11 disciples left for Galilee, uh, going to the mountain where Jesus was told, uh, told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some of them doubted. Some of them were like, hey, man, what's going on? You know, uh, this is Jesus. I know, you know, resurrection. But man, just struggling with a little bit of doubt. That's what we can do, right? And Jesus came and told his disciples, he goes, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. I mean, just think about that. All authority rests in Jesus. That's powerful. All authority. You hear what I'm saying? He doesn't have to ask anybody. He doesn't have to get permission from anybody. He can do what he wants to do because he, is all, he has all authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So as we're doing life, as we're going about life, as we're doing our living out what God has given us as the days that we've been numbered with, we're saying, hey, listen, as men, as I'm going, I want to reach people with the gospel. As I'm going, I want to look for people that are far from God, and I want to share with them the hope of the world. And then, you know what? I want to disciple. I want to pour into. I want to teach someone the very things that we read in the Shema. I want to teach them what's really important. It says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, I want to go after people because you go after people. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, I want to line up with the Great Commission. I don't want to be a church that just kind of shows up and we do a show and everybody goes, hey, man, it was a good day today and we go out of here and we don't do anything with the Great Commission. We've got to be willing to say, God, give me eyes to see people as you see them. Give me ears to hear what their needs are. How can I minister to them? How can I walk with them? How can I encourage them? How can I offer hope to them? And so we've got to be willing to say, God, help me to be on mission and to love what you love. So Jesus loves people. And here's what I would say. He loves all people. He loves all people. And I think for some of us, sometimes, you know, we go, I love this segment of society. But there are some that I really struggle with. And it could be cultural. It could be education. It could be different things that you would go, you know, I don't really love them. Well, Jesus does. Go back to the, to the 99, remember? You got the 99. You can say, well, hey, we got 99 here. So I'm not really worried about that that one out there, but Jesus is. And for some of us, you know, that one that may be out there that we go, you know, they kind of got themselves in that predicament on their own, or that, hey, that's the choices they've made, Jesus still goes after them. Whether they're in jail, prison, whether they're living wild, living crazy, Jesus is still going after them. So the question is, is do we love them enough to go after them, to have a conversation, to put ourselves around them? You know, and I, I know it's easy sometimes to say, well, you know, I need to be around godly people. Yes, you do. But you need to be around godly people so they can encourage you to go out and reach those ungodly people, right? And to make, make a difference in the lives of the ungodly. And so that's what we're called to be is we're called to be a light. And I would just say this, the church is plan A for reaching all people. I don't know if y'all know that. I mean, God, God said, hey, listen, you know, I'm going to work through the church. So there's a reason that we as a church plant other churches. You know, even like I think today, this afternoon, there's a church being planted, or they're doing open house this afternoon in Wetumpka. It's called Village Church that we are we're helping sponsor, we're helping support, because we believe that, you know what, churches are the plan for reaching the unchurched, the unsaved. 
There's a reason that we invest in a church right now called Your Church that is in Las Vegas, Nevada, because we believe that those people you know, deserve an opportunity to hear the gospel. And so there's a young man there that we're investing in because we believe in him and we believe in his vision for reaching that city. There's a reason that we invest in a church called, called Flatline. There's a reason we invest in a church uh, you know, in, in Evergreen, Alabama, because we believe, you know what, God wants to reach people there. And so we invest, we pour into, we, I share everything I can with church planners because I want them to what? Reach people. Not just do church, not just have a, you know, not just have a party and get together and say, hey, listen, let's go home and not do anything, but to, to get together and go, hey, listen, let's go out of here on mission. Let's go out of here and make a difference. So I want to, I want to read to you out of Ephesians. I love this. This is Paul writing to the church here at Ephesus. And he's talking about the church and he's talking about how how, how important the church is, and, and hopefully we, we can kind of move through this and kind of unpack this. And he says, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches, riches inherited by God's children. What he's saying, and think about who he's talking about. He's talking about to the Jewish people. Hey, the, the Gentiles, and I'm just telling y'all, that's a bunch of us. We get to be a part of the party. We get to be a part of the kingdom. We get to be a part of what God has, has done. And that's what Paul's saying. He goes, hey, listen, man, this is what it's all about. This is the plan of God because God cares about all people. God's desire is that all men would be saved, right? And so we all get to be a part of this. It says both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings between because uh, they belong to Christ Jesus, all because of Jesus. Not because you're good enough, not because you signed a card, not because you prayed a little prayer, but because you've given your life to Christ. That's what changes everything. And so here's the thing, whenever we put our faith in Christ and we surrender our life to Jesus, we become a part of the church, become a part of the church. And it's not a building. You know, what Paul is writing here, and even in the Greek word for church is ekklesia, which is a people, which is a movement. It's not a building, you know, and so we've got to understand that it's not about a building, it's about a people. It's about a church. It's a body of believers. And he's, he's talking about, hey, we all work together as the body. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13, he's talking about how that body works together to make a difference. How we're supposed to function. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Now, some of us don't look at that as a privilege, but Paul did. Some of us will look at it and go, ooh, that's a burden. I, I'm not good at talking to people. I'm not good at sharing my faith. But I love what Paul says. He goes, man, I counted a privilege. You know, I think about our dream team who's here. Some of them get here early on Sunday morning to put out signs and banners and, and work in the parking lot. They work in the heat of the day out there or the cold of the winter. And they, the, some get here early to make coffee, to serve you coffee and, and to set up donuts for you. And I'm thinking, man, you know, I hope they have the mentality that, you know what, this is a privilege. I get to bless. I get to serve the body of Christ. And I get to feed someone. I get to do something for someone. Maybe there's somebody that's back here as a greeter or an usher that they get to go, you know what? I get to be a part of, the, this is a privilege. I get to be a part of that person taking a step towards Jesus. And if you're not doing that, I'm telling you, you're missing out. You're missing out on what you're, you're called to do, you're gifted to do. And hopefully whenever we leave out of here, we're going, you know, God, you know, who is that one that you want me to talk to this week about Jesus? Who is that one you want me to serve this week? And just begin to build a relationship that I might be able to share the gospel with, that I might be able to share the hope of the world with. Who is that one person? It says, so by God's grace, that's all it is, it's God's grace. It's not anything I've earned, anything you've earned. And mighty power, I love that mighty power, man. That's the power of God at work to save anybody, all people. I've been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege, there it is again, privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them. And who? In Christ. 
And so Paul is saying, man, this isn't a job, this is a privilege. And hopefully we look at it, hey, that's not a, that's not a responsibility, that's a privilege. I get to tell people about Jesus. I get to love people the way that Christ loves them. And, and I, listen, I totally agree with Paul. I, this is where I feel like that's me. I feel like, man, I am the least deserving for the privilege that I get to do. I, I don't even feel worthy. I don't even feel worthy to be saved. I don't feel worthy to be able to teach. I don't feel adequate most of the time. That's the enemy constantly bombarding me. But I believe that, you know what, the God says, hey, listen, just consider it a privilege and go do, and I will give you what you need. He, I just got to trust him with everything. I was chosen to explain, the, explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. He goes, man, I get to tell, I get to tell what God has put in, 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 in play, if you will, from the beginning of creation. I get to tell people about what Jesus' plan was. God's purpose in all this was to use the what? I can't hear you. Okay, yeah, I, did, I just wanted one person to say it. Yeah, the church, that's us. And everybody that's in here that's part of the church should say, he wants us. And so look at that again. It said, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom and its rich variety to all unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So it's not about just one person, but it is about the church, the body of Christ. So Paul is saying it's through the church. It's through a movement of people. It's through the, the body of Christ. It's through those of, who know Christ as Lord and Savior that mean, you know, we are plan A. That's why we plant churches. That's why we do what we do. That's why we think about, hey, you know, adding a third service. That's why we think about, hey, where can we put another campus at or whatever. That's why we ask those questions because we want to reach people, not buildings. We want to make a difference in the lives of people. We want to be about what's important to God. This was his eternal plan. That's eternal. That lasts forever, right? Which he carried out through who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. These are eternal things. This should be a priority. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Think about that. We, we have this incredible privilege. We can boldly come into the presence of God. And I never feel worthy for that. But it's not because of my worthiness. It's because of, it's because of what Jesus did. It's the righteousness of Christ. Remember last week we talked about, you know, the father putting that robe on his son, on his dirty son. You know, it's the imputed righteousness. It's clothing us with the righteousness of Christ. I can boldly come into God's presence and pray for the church. I can pray for the schools. I can pray for the community. I can pray for our nation. I can pray for the leaders. I mean, I get a chance to do all of that because of what? Because of the, the very presence and the power of God that is on me through Jesus Christ. My faith in Christ. His righteousness. And for every one of us, man, hopefully we, we're not taking, taking that for granted. We're going into the presence of God. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. And here's what Paul said. Hey, listen, man, it's worth it. If I die, it's worth it. I want you guys to understand. He goes, I'm doing something that is eternal, and it may not be popular in this world. I'm in change for the gospel, but you know what? It's worth it. If Christ is proclaimed and people's souls are saved, he goes, it's worth it. Man, I want you to understand it. It's worth it. So you got to be willing to keep pressing on. And when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything, heaven and on earth. He's saying to him, man, when I think about this incredible message we've been given, man, I get on my knees and I just pray and I go, God, just use us as a church. God, just use us to make a difference. And that's what we were doing yesterday. We were walking around these chairs. We were praying over this church. We were praying over these campuses. And we're going, you know, God, we want to see the gospel proclaimed. We want to see souls saved. We care about what is eternal. He said, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. How many guys need that? I do. 
Man, I mean, but maybe you're trying to go through life in your own strength and you keep falling short and you keep saying, trying to do things and you uh, end up just kind of quitting. But, man, we need power from inside. And this is a power, you know, the, the, the word, the Greek word that's used for power here is the same word that we get the word for dynamite. And so, I don't know if you guys, any rednecks in the room, raise your hand if you're a redneck. Uh, you, you can be honest about it. I, I mean, so a couple of years ago, my son was having his birthday. And, uh, and so I was getting some stuff together because we were going to do a camp out. We, they wanted to shoot clays and stuff like that. So we we're going to do some, uh, some uh, clay throwing and shoot those. And, and anyway, they had some stuff called Tannerite. Anybody ever seen Tannerite? So uh, the rednecks know what I'm talking about. So anyway, so I was like, dude, that looks pretty fun. And uh, so anyway, so I buy this thing of Tannerite. And what you do is you get it together and you, you blow it up and you shoot it with a rifle and it'll blow up. And I thought, dude, that is cool as I'll get out, you know? And so I'm thinking, that's awesome. And so I get some. Now I've got, this is like 13, 14 year old boys. And I'm, and I'm telling them, hey, what we're doing, we're being real safe with it. And we set it up. And when we shoot that thing and it goes off, dude, boom, you can feel the percussion in your chest. And you're like, that was awesome, you know? And everybody's so excited. And they're going, dude, you got any more? And I'm like, that's the only one I bought, you know? And, and so anyway, but it's like dynamite going off. And so what I love here is this picture is not just a percussion, but you feel the power of God in your soul. It goes deeper than a percussion. And so whenever you experience that, you go, man, I feel the presence of God, the power of God at work in me. And, and so I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit, through the spirit of the living God that is working in me. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. It's only by faith in Christ. It's not by works, not by deeds. It's not by going to church. It's not by anything else other than surrendering. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I trust you to save me. I let go. I give you everything. It says your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. We need to grow in our understanding and our knowledge of who Christ is. But we always need to know, hey, it's by faith I am saved. But you know what? I want to know more and more about Jesus who I love. And so maybe for you, it's getting in a life group. Jeremiah was just talking about life group. Get in a Bible study. Get in a life group. Get in something that's going to put you in the middle of God's Word. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. Man, I hope everyone in this room, everybody watching online, that you begin to grasp how much God loves you. That He would send His one and only Son from heaven to a cross to bleed out his precious blood, to pay for your sins so that you could literally be wrapped in his righteousness and invited into his family and adopted in as his child. That's how much he loves you. Hopefully you'll understand that. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to, to understand fully. I mean, it's hard to get my mind around how much God loves me, how much God loves you. It's hard for me to get my mind around that. Then you'll be made complete. That talks about maturity with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. So in other words, we have this power that is within us. We have this life that was, is within us that we can't get over, that we have to talk about and we have to tell people about and we have to share with people because we just can't get over it. That's what we should be doing. It says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power. There's that mighty power again. That, that, that dynamite type power at work within who? Us, the church, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I don't know about you guys, but I can imagine pretty good. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I can imagine things. I can imagine big things. I can imagine a lot of things. And it says that God can do more than I can even imagine. Glory to him in the what? The church. That's us. And in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
See, God wants to work through the church. And it's not just to work through us. He wants to work in us. He wants to change me. He wants there to be less and less of Mike Mazingo and more and more of Jesus, day by day. He wants to be less and less of you and more and more of Jesus. Man, he wants to comfort you. He wants to empower you. He wants to give you a peace that passes understanding. He wants you to be filled with joy. He wants you to be a light in a dark world. He wants you to be the salt of the earth. God wants to work in you, but he's going to work through you. And I love that, man. That's, that's for God's glory. So here's the question. Who's your one? We asked you last week, these ducks that you guys see sitting around, I want you to take those with you, if you will. Just take one, because we've got to give some to the other services. But take one of those and flip it over on the bottom. It says, who's your one? And so I want you to sit that somewhere this week where maybe whenever you see it, you go, who's that person that I'm praying for? Who's that person that I'm going to share the gospel with? Who's that person I'm going to build a relationship with? Who's that person that God has put in my life for me to be a light in their life? Maybe you're here today and you go, Mike, that's what I need. I need Jesus. Maybe you're watching online. You go, Mike, I need Jesus. Then let me just encourage you just to come to him and surrender and say, Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe you're the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, I believe that you can save me. I believe that you can change me. And Jesus, I trust you with all the faith that I have. You might say, Mike, how much faith does it take? All that you got. It's just letting go and say, Jesus, I trust you with my soul, with my life. I realize today that you love me, you care about me, you want a relationship with me. And so why not receive that today? Just say, Jesus, I receive your gift. I'm not trying to earn it. I'm not trying to work it out. I'm just, I'm just receiving it by faith. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the fact that you have met with us. I thank you for your word, God. God, I pray that you bring conviction in this room to every believer. If we have gotten adrift, if we are off course, if we are no longer seeking you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. If we're not loving you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. God, that you would bring conviction. Lord, I pray that we would trust you. I pray for those in this room that maybe they've never put their faith in Christ for salvation. Or maybe those that are watching online that have never put their faith in Christ for salvation. That today... They would trust him. Today they would surrender. Today they would receive the greatest gift ever. God, I thank you for your word. Let it penetrate our hearts. Let us not just hear it and walk away, but let us be moved to action. Lord, you do what you want to do in this room. It's your church. It's your people. And God, we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.